0: Right, right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, um, as, as Ruth was saying, it's just a delight to come and worship you. It's a delight to be in your presence. It's a delight to know that you love us and that you love us enough to come and just to be with us. And Holy Spirit, that's what we, we ask that you would do this morning is just to come. Come and make yourself known in any way that you would would see fit we this this isn't our time, this is your time. so any way that you want to interrupt any way that you want to um, uh, do something different, lead us a different path, please do come and bring meet us where we are lord I said. Whatever anyone has brought in here today, that you would, you would meet them where they are. Whatever they need. If they need healing today, Lord, I pray that you'll bring that. If anywhere we need conviction, bring that, Lord. If anywhere we need encouragement, bring that. Lord, I pray that you'll meet us and be the all-sufficient one for us today. Give us wisdom and understanding as we open your word. Let it bring life Lord, let it uh, change us. Let it not be just an exercise in getting to know more stuff, but let it be your word that we're confronted with. And it bring us more in love with you and, and let it change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Joshua chapter number five. And let me... Um, Let me kind of present some of the story to you, and then we're going to go back and look at it. And if you will, just a a, a caveat, um, I'm going to come revisit some of this next week. Because of uh, the celebration we have not too long after service, I have uh, strict orders to keep it short, (laughs) which is difficult. Let me tell you, (laughs) it's a lot easier to go long than it is to shorten things up a lot of times. So um, <laughs> so I'm going to revisit some of this next week because I believe what I, what I have from the Lord today is, is imp- not only important, but it's something that we really need to wrestle with. And I don't want us to just come in and have a short wrestling. So I want to give you a chance to wrestle with it this week as, as we're, um, hopefully, I'd like for you to meditate on, on the uh, message today, this week. And then when we come back together next week, I want us to really take some time to um, deal with a little bit more, you know, really give it a chance that we're um, doing some business with the Lord. So where we left off last week, you know, the, the people of God, the Israelites, had come across the Jordan. Right? We talked about uh, going through the water. You know, the water had stacked up at, at Adam, way upstream, and they walked across on dry land. And they they get across the river, and something really interesting has has taken place. The Israelites had gone through the whole wilderness experience, and they hadn't obeyed some of the commands that God had given. And it's really not told a lot why they hadn't done that, but... For some reason, they what I, what I feel like is that they were kind of taken back when they got to the Jordan the first time, and and the people the spies went in, and you know only two two of them brought back the good report. God's like it's like He sent them back to Israel, even though they're wandering around the wilderness. It's like okay, I'm going to be hands off for a while. And what they had not done is they had not circumcised the males. When they came out of Egypt, they crossed the the Red Sea. All of them got circumcised. All the males. It was one of the rites of of passage for. That you know, was something that the Israelites did. That God gave back to it in Abraham's day. Which one thing you might not know is it wasn't. It was not um, just only Israel that did that. There were other nations in the world that actually practiced that. Um, so, but God did give it for israel as a sign of the covenant that he made with them but they had not done that while they were uh, walking around the wilderness those 40 years so the previous generation had and then the next generation that came up had not and it seems like also that they had not really practiced the passover is what what it feels like in in the passage they hadn't so the one the two of the main things That God had given to Israel to do, as they were walking around the wilderness, they they'd not done. So they get across the the water, and God has Joshua say, "Okay, I want you to circumcise all the males." It says again; it goes on later, and it says, "Because the generation that had come through had not been circumcised." So they 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 circumcised all the the males. Um. And then they celebrated the Passover. And they had it said also that while they were in the uh, area that they actually tasted some of the fruit or the uh, produce of the land. And at that time, the manna, remember the manna that they'd gotten for 40 years, they went out and had to pick it every day except the pa- uh, except Sunday, not Sunday, the um, Sabbath. Sunday's actually the first day of the week. Uh, so the Sabbath, they, 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 except for the Sabbath, they went and got the manna every day. So it stopped after they started eating of the uh, produce of the land. And then something really interesting happens. And this is what I want to read this. And we'll come back in and see a little bit more what God's doing. Look at verse 13. This is Joshua five thirteen. So after they had um, gone through, they had circumcised the males. They, they had uh, celebrated the Passover. It says, now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? I love that, by the way, you know, just as bold as you can get. You know, it's not, what are you doing? You know, are you for us or for, for our adversaries? The man said to him, no, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what is my Lord uh, to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Really interesting, because this is all that this is. It's like a really, to me, it feels like this really important meeting that Joshua has. But it's like these small little verses, and there's not much there. So I want to unpack this just a little bit, and then what I want to see is, I, what, what I believe the Lord is showing us, is a way that we can have the Lord enter into the battle with us. You know, it, it's, it's great when you're going into battle. But as what the Israelites find really quickly is if they go in without God, then they're toast. Remember this? If, if you don't remember, we're going to get back in, we're going to get into it in the next few weeks. But remember Jericho, they go in in God's form, and the walls fall, and they go in and, and they wipe Jericho out, and then they go, oh, AI, that's a small place. We'll, we'll just, not a problem. Just send a few thousand people up there, it, it's a piece of cake. It's a, it's a small thing compared to Jericho. But God doesn't go with them, and all of a sudden, they're fleeing from their enemies. So how do we get God to enter into the battle with us? Because we can go out here, and we can have great ideas and plans and, and things that we're going to pray through, and we're going to all of a sudden, we're, you know, we're going to pray for our, our area, for our, our towns, and and pray that God will save the people, and he'll He'll break down the um, you know, addictions, and he'll break down the uh, trafficking, and he'll do all this. But if we're not going into the fight with God, and all we're trying to do is to do it in our own strength, let me tell you what, our own strength will not get us very far. So Joshua meets this person. And what, it, what it seems like, how it's described in the passage, is it's actually what they would call a Christophany. It's Jesus showing up before he came as a baby. Because what happens is, is he comes and he stands as the captain of the host of the Lord's army. And Joshua, as soon as he hears, he falls on his face to worship. And the this image, uh, this man who I, I believe is a a figure of, of Jesus before Jesus ever came in the flesh, he received the worship. If you notice throughout Scripture, what happens is if somebody worships an angel, the angel goes, oh, no, no, don't worship me. Worship God. But if it's God himself, he's the only one allowed to receive worship. And you see that this, that, that Jesus here, I believe, like I said, it's a Christophany, an, an image of, a, an appearance of Jesus before he ever came, as As a baby, right, so he he stands here and he receives the worship that Joshua gives, and he's the captain of the host of the Lord, and then he says, "Look, I want you to take off your shoes because the area where you're standing is holy now does anybody does that remind anybody of something else? Exactly the same with Moses, right? Moses, now remember where Moses is? He's up on the mountain. He's on the mountain of the Lord. He's he's, he's tending sheep. Well, I'm getting a a southern accent here. He's tending sheep, and he sees his bush. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed. He goes up to the bush, and I don't know about you. If you you start having a conversation with a bush, (laughs) you know, I mean, obviously something is going on, why is this bush? He said, Moses, Moses, what? <laughs> Take your shoes off because where you're standing is holy ground. Now, why would God do this again? And here's what I, I believe is happening. is the, So Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant. I'm going to try not to get bogged in, down too much in theology here. but Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant. He's up on top of the mountain. And God comes and he, he makes his presence on the mountain. Right? So the mountain is the holy place. Right? And that's where when Moses gets the commandments, again, God's presence comes down on the mountain. Right? Fire and, and, and uh, trumpets and smoke and everybody went, <gasps> you know, don't let us go up. We're, we're going to die if we go up on the mountain. Right? Remember that? And now the same thing happens with Joshua, except where is he? he's in the promise he's in the promised land and instead of it being a mediator type thing where it's up on the mountain in between heaven and earth now god has come to earth and his presence is, is okay this is my place this is my holy place why this is one reason you know i'm, I'm trying to let keep us all um, with the idea that Joshua, this is a representation of Christ. It's not Jesus, not like the Christophany, but Joshua is a type of Jesus. It's a type of Christ. And he's. we can look at this and we can say, okay, what are you teaching us? And we'll see here in just a few minutes. I'm going to get back into this. All right? We're going to hit the New Testament. I'm going to show you some stuff in the New Testament that I think is going to really it kind of flipped my, my brain around earlier in the week. All right? But, so hold on to this for a moment. God himself has come. And he's, he's, making his, he's saying, this place is holy. This promise that I've given to you is holy ground. Of course, Joshua has a different, um, different sermon. But Joshua has a different reaction than Moses. Moses kind of went, how do I believe you? And remember, God gives him the signs and Joshua says, whatever you say, God, let's just do it. You know, that's the end of the story. But how is it that we, because I know that we want to see the promise of God fulfilled in us. Whether that's in our lives personally. I know that there's promises that the Lord's given to you. There's promises that he's given to us, to me personally. There's promises that he's given to this church. There's There's places out here that we need to minister to, people that that we need to touch. But we're not going to fulfill those promises, whether it's those personal promises that each one of us has or those grand promises that, that we have as a church or even as the church in the area without God himself coming and fighting the battles for us. But what's that going to take? The first thing is it's a removal of the flesh. A removal of the flesh. I don't want to uh, get too much into um, the graphicness of this, but it's, it's something that's in Scripture. So look it up. Okay? But when, when Joshua goes across the, the Jordan, right um, verse 2 says at that time the lord said to joshua make for yourself flint knives and, and circumcise again the sons of israel the second time this is verse 3 joshua made himself flint knives and, and circumcised the sons of israel at, at gibeath Haral haraloth this is the reason why joshua circumcised them all the people who came out of egypt who were males all the men of war died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of egypt For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they had not listened to the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord had sworn, that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. The children whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised. But they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. Verse 9 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. For Israel... God made a sign of the covenant that the people should not be in the flesh. It was a a physical sign for them to say, don't get into the flesh. Number one, it it was a sign that was never about the flesh in the first place. It was always about faith. It was always about their belief in God. But it was a physical sign that they needed to be holy And not get into the flesh. It was a removal of the flesh. Let me. um, Go with me. Hold your your place there in, in Joshua. If you would flip over here. To Galatians. Galatians chapter number five. Galatians five. When you're there, say, I'm there. All right, sword, drill, sword drills next week. Well, oh, everybody's getting there. Hi, everybody online. The groans, I know you're there. Uh, Karina and your crew, I've seen all, over there too. I don't know if the Ing are on this morning. Hope to see everybody after a while. Right, verse 16. But I, say to you, but I say, this is Paul writing to the Galatians, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. By the way, those are kind of all um, grouped. Some people think that Paul has grouped these. Um, how do I say this? These are more sexual sins by nature. A lot, you know, and it's almost like kind of a progression in in um, uh, in level. There. The just pause just a second. Hold your hold your finger there. Um, we think that our society today is is very overt. It has nothing. Nothing compared to um, the Greco-Roman society. It would that would you know, talk about a perverse society? Amazingly perverse. I mean, part of their worship was to go and have, have temple prostitutes. Okay, that was how you worshipped God—not our God, but their gods—is to go and to go and do things in the temple. All right. So our society is n- our society can be perverse, but when Paul's talking about a lot of the perversion there, it's, it's major. Okay? So, what, what, we, what we, quote unquote, would see on TV, whether it's the violence or the, the, the gore, the killing, the, the whatever, or the other stuff, they were living it real time. All right? So, the, um, so immorality or fornication, impurity, sensuality, so going further into depth with, with that, um, uh, those uh, immoralities. Idolatry, which everyone, of course, would know you're, you're worshiping another god. Sorcery, witchcraft of some sort. And then he kind of goes into um, a lot of what um, is happening in Galatian, in the Galatian church. And Galatia is more of a region. But there's a lot of infighting going on. So strife. Enmities, um, fighting, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousings, or another word there actually is orgies, and, uh, and things like these. So if, not, if these aren't enough, there's other stuff too, is what he says of which I forewarn you just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So these are things that Paul says are in the flesh. And these are things that we have to get rid of. I'm going to tell you um, before even I get to my next point, this is a, a difficult message to give because as Christians, we know that God, and when Jesus came, He abolished the law and a lot of the practices of the law. Right? Who, nobody, nobody came with a lamb this morning, right? Praise God for that, right? The, did anybody have bacon this morning? All right. If you, if you, if you're in a Jewish household, you wouldn't be eating bacon for breakfast, right? There's a lot of the practices of the law that that that. Jesus, when He came, He abolished. And Paul goes as far as to say, "All things are lawful to me, but not all things are profitable." But these things of the flesh, those are never profitable, and they are unlawful. And what what he's done, if you look in Galatians five, what what Paul sets up is he said, "The law that we have, instead of having the whole list that you, if you want to, if you want to, okay, uh, some real." night reading that if you if you can't fall asleep at night go read leviticus okay just go, go read leviticus and you'll probably go to sweet sleep really quickly because there's all these laws of all, all the ceremonial cleansing all you have to do what you have to do for this and what you have to do for that but paul says there's two laws for us love god love your neighbor and a lot of these things what he's doing that they're in the flesh is, is saying look if you are not loving your neighbor this way, if you're getting into the flesh and you are committing these, these uh, either immoralities or if you are um, not loving your neighbor by being jealous and being envious or if you're uh, fighting and if you're bickering and arguing and causing division, and he said all these things are of the flesh and you've got to get rid of them. They are never good. They're sin. They're unholy. Get rid of these things. End of story. It's not a question of whether there's sin or not. Some things in the New Testament, it's like, okay, do you eat meat or do you not eat meat? Well, if you have enough faith to eat, go ahead. If you don't, then it's sin for you, right? Remember that? Please tell me you remember that. Okay. These are not like those. These are things that are sin, and you better get rid of them. Now, getting back to Joshua, they go over the Jordan and they are circumcised again to show you've got to get rid of the flesh. It reminds me of a passage in Hebrews that says, you've not, you've not resisted sin to the shedding of blood yet, have you? Do we come to that point? in our lives that we resist sin that much that we hate sin that much that everything in us cries out for the holiness of God and and is just that it turns our stomach to even think about these sins Like I said, the writer of Hebrews says, "Have you you haven't resisted to the shedding of blood yet? Have you?" Has anybody has anybody go? No, I've you know I'm going to beat myself up so that I don't sin. Anybody done that? I haven't. But it's at that point that we need to get rid of the flesh, get rid of all these things that Paul says. These are fleshly things these we've got to get rid of them we've got to make sure these things are out of our lives I think about the different revivals that you see throughout history whether that's um, the Old Testament revivals you know you you look at uh, stuff with Elijah you look at the Old Testament uh, revivals with um you know Hezekiah and with um, you know even when they they build the the second temple and And uh, with Ezra, you know, one of the the things that they do is it's a coming back to God and getting rid of the junk, whether that's idolatry or whether that is foreign wives or whether that is anything else in the flesh, they get rid of it and they come back to God. They repent and they fall on their face and say, okay, we're getting rid of all the junk and we're going to follow after God with all of our hearts. And even in the New Testament, and, and you think about even the, you know, Revivals like the Great Awakening and and um, the, uh, the Second Great Awakening and and the Welsh Revival and and the um, uh, Moravians—so much of it. There's this this heart cry for the holiness of God. That you you're so crying out for His holiness that you get rid of all of the junk. And you know what your junk is. I don't have to tell you your junk. You know it. You and God know it, but it's it's so desiring the holiness of God that you put everything else away. And it, it amazes me. It amazes me that the children of Israel would walk through the wilderness. And I think so many of us, I know I've, I've done it. I, I've, I've longed to see those Incredible signs. You know, if, if, I, if, I, if I saw the fire on the mountain, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't act like the children of Israel did. If I heard the trumpets of God, there's no way I would ever grumble and complain like they did. If God gave me food every day when I got up and I just wanted to walk out and pick it up off the ground, and, you know, I, there's there's no way I would grumble and fuss and, and, and talk bad about my, my, my leader, Moses. Like, like they, that I, would, I would never do any of those things. If I saw the, the, the pillar of fire and, and cloud daily, there's no way I'd forget my Lord. I'd follow after Him with all of my heart. But, you know, they had to get rid of the flesh when they went through the Jordan. And I think we, as Christians, we see a lot of the things that God does. We see people's lives changed. We see uh, miracles and signs and wonders. We see things happen all the time that that these folks would be blown away by. And I'm wondering, are we acting the same way? Are we still putting off those small things that God says you've got to be doing? You've got to get rid of the flesh. But it's, we like the flesh. Let's, 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 get, let's get real. A lot of those things are the flesh, are, you know, part of our lives. But we've got to be so convinced that we want to be in the holiness of God that That is all that matters. And we get rid of all the deeds of the flesh. We put them behind us. Be thankful that you're in the new covenant and you're not having to shed blood in order to get there. (laughs) Hello? But it's not just about getting rid of the flesh, which we really have to do. But we also celebrate the forgiveness so they got rid of the, they they were circumcised again there say again wasn't one person being circumcised twice it was they were circumcised as a group again but then they celebrated the passover now we know for them of course it was a celebration of of the slaughtering of the lamb and this is how uh, our sins are forgiven you know they they take the lamb and and all the sins are wiped or are, are are covered not forgiven but covered for another year right the the high priest goes in and will um will uh, sprinkle the blood on the altar and you know their sins get covered we know that our passover is Jesus. And I've, I've harped on the deeds of the flesh. Okay? But this is why this is a very, very difficult passage because, yes, we need to get rid of the deeds of the flesh. Absolutely. Please do. Get, get, whatever you've got to do, get rid of them. Get, get, get with the Lord and find out exactly what, what needs to go. Get rid of them. If you need help, seek help. Don't just let it sit, please. But then, not only is there the deeds of the flesh, but we have Jesus. We have a Passover lamb that has gotten rid of all of those for us. And we can walk in his forgiveness. And that's why this is such a difficult thing because it, it's easy for us as Christians to say you know what? Praise God for Jesus. And I'm, I'm walking in, in, and if I mess up I can I can just easily ask for forgiveness and it's okay and I'll just mess up again and it's okay and I'll just mess up again and it's okay and I'll... Hello? It's really easy for us to get into the oh I'll just ask for forgiveness. What Paul says is this. It's, he says do we do we um, glory more? Because, so uh, do we get more grace because we sin more? Right? So, so I'll sin more so I can get more grace. Awesome, right? No, no, no. He said, no, may it never be. Absolutely not. You don't just go on sinning because you can get more grace for it. That's, let me give you a, a theological word for it. It's antinomianism. Okay, it means without law. Okay, and Then there was a group uh, that even back then, they said, wait, we don't have any law. This is awesome. Don't have to live by this law. Don't have to live by that law. We're good to go. Let me sin more that I can get more grace. That's what Jesus did for me. And I think, could we slip into that a little bit? where you've got the sins of the flesh and you're like, well, yeah, I recognize that those are sins. But I'm under grace. So it doesn't matter what I do. I'll just ask for forgiveness for it later. And it's this line that we have to walk. And that's why this is such a difficult passage. Is it such a difficult sermon? It's such a difficult way of life that we we have to be we have to realize that there's sins that we have to take care of and we have to get rid of them. We also have to realize that we have a lamb that took away all of our sins. And we have to kind of straddle that. That and live in both worlds and say, "Look, I'm going to be so committed to the holiness of God that I'm going to get rid of all this, and I'm also going to embrace that 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 lamb has taken away all those sins, and i don't have to I don't have to live by those things I don't have to live by the law so it's it's not I'm going to be holy out of religion. that doesn't work that's the law, and that'll kill you again it's not I'm going to be holy out of religion. It's I'm going to be holy out of the relationship. It's not I have to do these things in order to get to God, right? I don't don't have to get rid of these in order to get to Him. But once I'm there, I want to get rid of these because I'm there and I love Him. You see the difference? Religion will kill you But when you get into the relationship, and what I'm I'm asking you, I want you to press so hard into that relationship that all these other things you just want to get rid of, because you encounter His holiness. You know, it's really interesting. I I, I try to look and, and see in the New Testament. I'm like, what? Well surely there is a surely there's a passage in the New Testament that resembles this. I mean, you can't have them take off their shoes and and be holy ground and and all this other stuff that that looks just like Jesus. You know, the baptism and the the you know, circumcision and baptism go right hand in hand and um you know that's in that's in Galatians 6. Um you you, the whole idea of Passover and Jesus. Lord, is there something in the New Testament? And you know what really came to mind? And I'm going to, I'm going to admit, this, is, this may be that much of a stretch. But as I look at it more, I think it's, it's getting right on the money. You remember a time in the New Testament when God had people take their shoes off? Remember, Jesus is God. Do you know they were right in the middle of what meal? Passover. And he says to them, "I'm going to wash your feet." You remember Peter? I love Peter. This is this is my response. This is I I. I I love John. John's my favorite author. But this response, this is me. Lord, you ain't washing my feet. <laughs> yes, I am. If, you, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. All right, well, if you can wash my feet, I want a whole bath. <laughs> Give it all to me, Lord. That's me. Remember what Jesus says to him? You're already clean. Only your feet need to be washed. You are already clean. Right? You see, here's, here's the thing. When you're walking in the world, your feet get dirty. When you're walking in the dust of the earth, your feet get dirty. Right? Right? And there's something about that walking that God wants us to do, but you know there, there's there's a reason that it says it's talk is talks about the world. Be don't you know be separate from the world, right? We know that we know that it's not it's not this that he's saying be separate from, right? It's to be called out from from the rest of the people that are doing the wrong things. That we're supposed to be with them, and we're supposed to influence them, but not let them influence us. Right? Here's another example. Jesus sends the disciples out. Tells them, go to all these different cities. If they receive you, let your peace be upon them. If they don't receive you, I want you to go out of the city and do what? Right? Shake the dust off of your feet. as a sign that that city was going to be under the judgment of the Lord, right? Well, was it the dust problem? Did the dust reject Jesus? No, or was it the people? Right? When we walk in the world, our feet are going to get dirty. They're going to get dusty. You might be clean. All of you all are clean. But your feet get dusty when you walk in the world. It's those things of the flesh. That God says, I want you to keep a tab on and wash them off. Remember, Jesus said, I do this for you. I'm giving you an example. You'll understand later. I want you to do this for others. Just as I have done for you, I want you to do to others. Right? What does James say in James 5? Confess your sin one to another that you can be healed, that you can be restored. Right? It's getting rid of the flesh. And all of us need those people in our lives to help us get rid of the flesh we have a god who's already paid the price absolutely but when we start walking in the holiness of god we need to realize that you know stuff sticks to us it's easy to be at work or to be at school or to be you know on the job side you know uh, just to be going down down the street down 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 main street here willimantic and you start hearing things you start seeing things. You're online and you click on something and you go, whoa, hold on. <laughs> you, things pop up and you're, I, you go, know, I'm, not, I'm not going that direction. Hello? You're in the world and you just get dirty just by being in the world. And what God wants to do is say, look, I have given you a community of believers to help you get the dust off your feet, to get rid of all those things of the flesh. That just need to get washed away. What I'd like everybody to do this week, like I said, I want to revisit this next week for just a little bit. And I want us to do some business with the Lord. I want us to really, because I, I, I hope I'm speaking for everybody here. I want us to go with God. I want Him to go with us. I, want, I, want, I don't want to go out here and try to fight battles by myself. I'm going to get I'm going to, get to- I mean, I'll get killed in a hurry. But I know if God is with us, then there's nothing that we face out here in the world. Whether that's individually, you know, maybe it's at work or at, you know, relationships at, at at home and family and friends, and look, doesn't matter. If if I'm facing it with the Lord, the battles the battles won. If I'm facing it by myself, it's it's a tough uphill battle. So I want, I want the Lord to go with us. I want the Lord to go with me. I want the Lord to go with us. I want us to all. I want us to. I want us to see the victory after victory after victory. It starts with the holiness of God. Our getting rid of the flesh, getting rid of all the little deeds and stuff of the flesh that that, that can be gotten rid of, realizing that it's His. That we're, we're embracing the forgiveness of Jesus. By the way, you've got to embrace the forgiveness. It's there. And sometimes we just don't even want to forgive ourselves. Embrace the forgiveness that He's offered. And then we walk it out with Him and see Him win the victory for us. So this week, I'd like everybody to think about how you can walk that out maybe it is maybe it's fleshly stuff that you need to get rid of maybe it's you need to get into forgiveness maybe you need to forgive somebody or maybe you need to get forgiveness so for some things yourself maybe you need to get out of religion and get out, get into a relationship Maybe you just need to hear God's words to you that He loves you and He forgives you and He just wants that relationship again. And He's offering it. So meditate on that this week so that when we come back together next week, we can um, we can meet with the Lord. Amen. All right, let me pray for you. Lord, oh Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just, that you would come. I know that the we are your new temple. And that you have declared us holy. But I'm asking also that you would sanctify this ground here. This, this room, let it be sanctified and set apart as holy for you. Give us a sense of awe that we are standing upon holy ground. Lord, I pray that you will reveal to us what we need to get rid of. Or how we need to embrace your love and your forgiveness more. For each person in here, Lord, we want to go with you. And we want you to go with us. And we want, we want, to, we want to see your victories in every area of our life. Or we've got to be called to holiness. Lord, let your holiness just encompass and surround us and let us be confronted by your holiness. That we will understand and realize that we must be a holy people. That we've been declared holy already, but we've got to live it out too. We've got to live out what you've already declared of us. in the name of Jesus, I bless every person here today. I continue to ask, Lord, that you would surround each one of us, all of our families, with a a hedge of fire. It would protect us from every um, attack of the enemy, whether that's uh, an attack physically against our bodies, an attack against our families, attack of division, Attack of um, accident or injury, Lord that you would, you would be a constant protection about us. Lord, I ask that you would fill us fill us all with your spirit, with a passion for you. To thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.